Hello, this is episode 275 and in it, I'm going to be talking about barn dominiums. So what is a barn dominium? Well, it's a type of building. It's actually been around for a while and it's more, I find that the name barn dominium is more popular in the US than in other locations. However, lately the name has been cropping up on my radar a lot more frequently and also in Australia as well. So I thought I'd spend a little bit of time on the podcast sharing more information about them and what to be aware of. So what is a barn dominium? Well, it's a type of residential structure that design-wise combines the features of a barn and a condominium, hence the contraction of the word barn dominium. So what that looks like is it's generally an open plan building with residential spaces in it and then it also can incorporate workspaces such as sheds or workrooms and the like, even also stables and those kinds of things. And the aesthetic style will be barn-like in appearance and it will have features such as exposed beams, metal roofs, industrial style finishes, things that are typically found in a barn. There is more to this though and I'm going to discuss that in this podcast. Podcast. So let's learn more about barn dominiums and what to be aware of when considering this approach for your project, whether you're renovating an existing barn or shed or you're building a new home in this style. Now, remember, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that I mentioned, you can do that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 275. That's the numbers 275. Now let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers, and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses, and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. 
So where does the term barn dominium actually come from? Well, there's a range of information available online about this. Claims that it's actually just a recent term that's been coined in Texas due to the popularity of the building type there. But one article that I saw on a website buildwithrise.com said this about the term and then backed it up with some resources. So it was really good. The term barn dominium, however, appears to have first surfaced back in 1989. Carl Nielsen was a real estate developer who in the 1980s was creating planned communities around the theme of raising horses. Just as many country club homes are built around a golf course, Nielsen thought that horse lovers should have their own planned communities with ample space for their equine companions. According to a 1989 New York Times article, Nielsen's horse lovers community planned to sell homes with fenced pasture land for each family to manage their horses. Instead of building a separate stable, Nielsen planned on creating a bandominium concept. His concept placed the living quarters of the home on top of a full stable underneath. Though the real estate project never completely took off, the idea of a modern home that incorporated living quarters for both humans and animals began to take hold around the country. Now, when you actually go and you check out the reference New York Times article from 1989, it, it uses the term barn dominium throughout it. And it mentions that the sales on the project were actually held up whilst the developer's title insurance company actually struggled with the barn dominium concept. And this is really interesting because this can often happen as developers try out new living ideas uh, that don't actually meet a financier standard or metrics of residential living. I remember a similar thing started happening when developers started creating studio apartments with floor areas that were super small and smaller than banks were willing normally to lend money on. And the financial institutions, they really had to catch up on this being a new and financially viable living model and the way that people were, were going to want to purchase properties. But this is what you can often be up against each time you do try to redefine how people can live in order to meet affordability and market requirements as this developer was trying to do. You know, the, the developer was trying to capture people's love of living where their horses are and first created that idea of the barn dominium. Now, of course, it's not like he invented the whole livable barn idea though. Livable barns are not a recent concept. People have lived in their barns for a long time. There are actually loads of examples of buildings that are that are barns and living quarters all under one roof. Uh, and there's one called the Low German House, which actually dates as far back to the mid-1200s, so, you know, medieval times. And it was also called an all-in-one house. Now, the thing is that over time, of course, and particularly obviously since this was first coined by this developer, the term barn dominium has come to mean a range of things, not just what this developer originally intended for it. It's come to refer more generally to any type of building, often metal, that has the aesthetic of a well-designed larger farm or barn shed, and then it's designed and built to work as both a residential dwelling and as a workspace. And as a barn or a shed, it's often quite large in size, has high ceilings, exposed structure, and large openings that aren't always all fully glazed. And it can often be made from a metal frame with metal cladding. However, there are other examples using, you know, other readily available and hardwearing materials that you'll often find in barns and sheds, you know, materials like timber, for example. Now, these types of buildings, they are more commonly being built in rural and regional areas where, of course, you know, it's, it's easier to accommodate a large structure because you've got larger blocks of land. And I find too, people are often looking for an affordable way to create a home for themselves as well as then accommodate storage and workshop space or just general workspace for the things that are associated with a rural property. 
Now, a barn dominium can save on building several different kinds of buildings um, that you might need and all of the infrastructure that can be required on these types of properties because it combines it all into one. And some homeowners I find will also do a barn dominium as an interim step, gives them what they need, enables them to live on the property, and then they have a view to later building their own sort of freestanding home and have all of the residential part of the barn dominium that they can let out to guests or they can actually rent out um, to somebody else. Now, in Australia, barn dominium is starting to be used, but I've also heard other another term for a livable shed or a shed that has a residential dwelling within it, which you may be familiar with. Um, you can hear these these livable sheds be called shouses. So that's a contraction of the words shed and house, of course. It's not quite the same as barn dominium. It's very Australian. Um, and I think there's a bit of a difference between the US term barn dominium and this Aussie term shouse uh, in aesthetics, in the connotations, in the size, you know, in the same way that I think there can be differences in the connotations but that we associate between a barn and a shed, you know. So I think that even those two terms kind of throw up different ideas for us. And this is the thing, you know, this is what the difficulty of using style names for things, you know. They're often open to interpretation they won't necessarily reflect what you're seeking to achieve if you're kind of using these terms and this is what you're throwing about. I've actually got an episode on wild style names of any kind be, can be really dangerous to use. So it's in season nine of the podcast. So I'll pop a link to that in the resources. I'd highly recommend you have a listen to it. It is always worth remembering that if you are hanging on to terminology, if you're using particular terms and names to, you know, describe your future home and these terms are largely invented or they're appropriated from historical terminology that then has shifted and changed over time to apply to what it's supposed to mean now, then you really do want to use other ways to clarify and illustrate what you want in your future home so that you can avoid confusion and wasted effort and time, um, in particularly in your design phase. Now, when I was recently in the USA, I was told about how popular barn dominiums have become you know people are looking to secure acreage and then they want to build a project like this to give them somewhere to live on this acreage and there's actually many companies that are selling barn dominium packages of drawings which streamline that whole process of building your own and there's you know locations that don't actually require a lot of approvals or checks in the construction process on this type of building so you are seeing barn dominiums crop up all over the place it can also be common to purchase a regional or a rural property that might have an existing shed structure on it and then consider what you'll do to renovate it to make it livable. And many consider doing this to either create a home for themselves or to create some guest accommodation or have some, some you know, accommodation they can rent out on Airbnb. When I know, you know, we were looking for a property in northern New South Wales, <laughs> I can't tell you how many properties that we looked at that had some type of converted shed or converted dairy bale structure on it that had been turned into some kind of accommodation. Um, or the real estate agent would actually point at a dilapidated shed or a dilapidated dairy bales building and suggest that that's what we could do, that we could convert it into some accommodation and rent it out. And then what would happen is, you know, being an architect, I would dig into the issues around the planning regulations and secondary dwellings and accommodation and all that kind of stuff. The you know, they could, we'd look at the condition of the existing building, whether it was already being used for this or it was something that we'd have to renovate. You know, there might be a lack of approval over the existing use of the building. The building itself might never have been approved, and you know, you can find that it just opens this total can of worms. But what we saw is that a lot of people don't worry about this when they're, you know, or they just don't do the due diligence when they're purchasing properties like this 
uh, or even when they're creating these kinds of buildings, they just don't sort of look to find out what's involved. And I have seen there's a fair bit of bravado when it comes to development on regional and rural properties. Uh, a lot of unapproved work will get done. And I find this can happen on small acreages right through to larger properties. Oftentimes it's happening because the development just isn't visible unless you're on the property itself. So neighbours don't really know what's happening, let alone the council. And it can also happen because people can have an attitude that if they have that much land, that they can build what they want and where they want it. And they can also have an attitude that if the building is already there and it's it's been there for some time, then you're well within your rights to do with it what you want. None of that is necessarily the case. So I do want to spend some time going into some of the things to be aware of when it comes to barn dominiums and, you know, these rural or regional types of structures that people are converting into residential dwellings or that they're building new in this style in order to live in. And these things are going to apply wherever you're located. They're not particular to a geographic location. So firstly, as with any new building of any kind on any site, you need to check your local planning regulations and your zoning. So around where I live in northern New South Wales and in a lot of, you know, similarly regional areas, councils will often let you allow, you know, they'll allow you to build a shed on your property without town planning permission. And this is where many will stretch the definition of shed and they'll actually create a residential dwelling within the shed or, you know, which is flying under the radar of council approval and a lengthy development process in, in lots of cases. So you just, you have to hope that you don't have neighbours who will dob you in or a council who will conduct random inspections because then they can require you to achieve retrospective approval for the actual use of your building. And you also need to be careful in relation to your insurance because I've seen instances where insurance policies won't cover the unapproved use of a building in the event of loss or damage occurring. As part of understanding the local planning rules and zoning, you'll need to understand any overlays on your property or any zoning on your property that may actually impact the size, the footprint and the materials that you're going to use for your barn dominium. So you may be restricted in where you can physically locate the building due to fire or flooding or protections that are over various aspects of your site or how you actually need to build it and what you need to build it from. And you may also be restricted in the physical size of your building and its height and its shape as well. There can actually be specific limits that apply to building types that if you don't adhere to those, it means then that you naturally qualify for it to be another building type, even though that may not match the use that you intend for this building. And then that what that can mean is that you can trigger certain approval requirements and planning processes. So you always need to understand what the conditions are for the type of building that you're planning because uh, they can vary from building type to building type. Now, it's worth noting as well that even though you may not require a development approval or town planning approval from your local planning or your zoning authority, you will most likely still require some type of building permit or building approval for the construction of your project. And you'll need to meet local building regulations and standards for your project as well. So I'll talk a bit more about this in a minute. Now, all of this will still apply if you are renovating an existing structure. You may actually be required to bring an existing structure up to current standards and regulations, and that can include ensuring that it meets bushfire standards, for example. You may be limited on what you can do with it based on its previous use, or you may need to undertake a lot of remediation based on its previous use as well, due to what might be in the flooring or in the ground under and around the building. 
You might actually find that the building you have and you plan to renovate was never approved in the first place and it should have been so you have to factor that into your process of conversion. There can be a raft of conditions and requirements and it will be dependent on where you're located and the type of building that you might be upgrading or adapting so it's always important to check. Now next I want to talk about the design of the barn dominium because that can be an interesting thing to grapple with. Any time that you have a building that needs to perform different types of functions that aren't really related directly to each other, that can be challenging. And then trying to create a cozy and a comfortable living environment inside a building traditionally designed for large machinery, animals and storage of other items, of course, that can also be tricky. Many successful designs that I see for barn dominiums, they really lean into the openness of these buildings and how that can be played with in a design sense. So they'll exploit the open and high volume to create an ex, you know, expansive feeling living areas. And then they can often incorporate mezzanine spaces to provide ceilings to spaces below that they do need to tuck into sort of lower spaces and capitalise on the overall height to be able to include these extra spaces on upper floors. They play with this idea of inserting the residential spaces and volumes into the overall volume and the layout of the barn or the shed. And as a result, it can be this beautiful way to play with volume and light, expansion and contraction, and still create the desired outcome in feel and functionality with the various residential spaces of their home. Design-wise, some can take the approach that they will split the barn or the shed vertically. So they'll do all of the residential living at one end across one, two or even more levels based on the height of the structure and then all the working or barn space will be down the other end. So they're literally sort of splitting it vertically into two sort of units. Or others will take the approach that they'll do the barn or workshop spaces on the lower floor and then they'll put all of the living on the upper level. So there's lots of different ways that you can think about this for your project. Now, the barn dominiums, the versions that don't do it well, well, for starters, they will oversize the shed or the barn itself. So the volume is then super hard to work with as a residential space. You know, high ceilings can be lovely, but ceilings can be too high and too overwhelming to enjoy the living spaces of the home. They can also insert spaces into the barn dominium that need lower ceilings as boxes within the overall space without thinking about then what happens above them. And those ceilings will often get added to these spaces for acoustic separation because if you're just separating rooms with walls and not putting a ceiling on, that doesn't always work for things like bathrooms and bedrooms. But if you don't think of the exposed top side of a ceiling and how you're going to maintain it, then you can have just created a massive dust ledge in your home. And then what sometimes people will do is they'll store lots of items on top of it like you would in an attic space in a traditional home, but that doesn't always look the best in exposed spaces either. Another challenge with the design of barn dominiums is the combination of very different spaces and functions. So, you, you know, you're creating workshop spaces or machinery storage or you're housing animals in the same building as you plan to live in. And that can mean you need to think cleverly about the design and what thresholds and barriers that you want to create between these uses. Acoustic barriers and then thinking about how you're physically going to move between and around the differing spaces or within the one building, they're all important design considerations. One challenge that I see people struggle with in barn dominiums is that they're often trying to create a super simple building form, but their dimensions will get set by the biggest things that they have to house. And that may not suit the other functions that they want to actually have in the building. So they might be massaging spaces and functions into dimensions that don't really suit them, or they start stepping the building in and out and then undoing that simple aesthetic, that barn-like form in the process. You know, the design approach for a barn dominium, it really needs clever thinking. Otherwise, the spaces that you're living in, they can feel super industrial. 
very much shed-like and not homely at all. And, you know, whilst barn dominiums are intended to feel more industrial in their aesthetic, you know, that's the whole point, it doesn't feel very comfortable every day to be living in a building that doesn't take into account the human scale. Now, as with any building, it's still essential that you think about designing for the natural assets of your site. So it's really important to understand the orientation, where the breezes are, how you'll optimise the views that you want to and make the most of what's available on your property to enhance the feel of your home. Unfortunately, many will lean too much on the shed or the barn side of things, often because of simply how they're being built. And that can mean that they have limited openings, they don't have glazing in the right locations, and they can be quite dark internally. I'm going to talk more about the physical construction of these buildings in a minute and the materials of them, but the choices around glazing and openings, they're often being driven by decisions that are being made to keep these buildings affordable. Because in most cases, they're primarily a shed or a barn first before they're a house. And that can mean there's certain choices about the building envelope and about the glazing. You can find too that that means that the indoor-outdoor connections will be limited. So, you know, or that the glazing is reduced or it's eliminated altogether. And the openings are actually solid elements such as big sliding barn doors or garage style doors. And so that can mean you're either open and fully exposed to the elements when you're in these pro- in these homes or you're fully closed and inside. There's kind of no in-between. And so you find that the indoor and outdoor connections in these buildings can be dictated in this way. And so if that's how your design will be done, and this is what your indoor outdoor connections will be like, then consider how you're going to create thresholds at those indoor outdoor locations. So for example, you know, a garage door or a big sliding door can be opened and you can still have some protection through the addition of say a covered outdoor area just immediately outside that opening or something similar, because then that can help protect those openings and make them more functional for you. Any building that's got a lot of volume can be really challenging to heat and cool and to manage acoustically. And this becomes particularly relevant in the design of barn dominiums. The acoustics can be super challenging in these types of buildings because of the industrial quality of the materials used can actually create a lot of hard surfaces. Now, I attended a conference in Napa when I was in the recently in the States. This conference space that we were in It was a stunning building and it was in the design style of many of these sort of types of elegant barn-like buildings. And externally it was clad in timber and it had these large areas of glazing on both sides and on the end that, you know, really opened up the sides of the building to the exterior. There was even an amazing double-sided fireplace that was set within a huge glass window that was on one side of the space. The building had these really high vaulted ceilings with exposed scissor trusses and the ceiling was lined with timber as well. There were two large ducts, like two air conditioning ducts that were painted black. They ran the full length of the building up within the trusses and then sort of dog leg down to, to go to their external points. And they, they were about obviously managing air conditioning in the space. And then the floor was polished concrete. Now, I was at this conference with around 40 other people and the person hosting the conference just stood up the front of us. He didn't use a microphone. We were all sitting quite close together at tables within the space. And the acoustic performance of the space was woeful. You know, it was the most stunning space architecturally. It was beautiful. Everybody kind of walked in and went, oh, wow, this is amazing. But functionally, it really failed. I found that during question time at the conference, you know, we all found that you actually had to shout to be heard by the other attendees, even though we were quite a small group sitting close to each other, just because the sound sort of disappeared. But then it breaks when we would have morning tea and lunch and those kinds of things, it got really noisy because our chatter was just bouncing around the space. I could not imagine, I actually said to a couple of people, can you imagine what it would be like to be at a wedding reception in here? It would be, the the noise would be deafening. 
Now, additionally, when you were sitting there, you could look up at the, the trusses and because there were these high-level windows up at either end of the gable, all the trusses were really beautifully lit up, but you could see all the cobwebs on them. You know, it was really impossible to reach them and to clean them out just because of the height of the space. Uh, and the air conditioning itself, it felt really drafty because it struggled to balance the temperature of the space. It was obviously on a thermostat and it kicked on and off as it needed to regulate the temperature inside. And so you were just feeling these gusts of air, um, you know, kind of kicking in and out. The space really needed to consider the management of acoustics and of thermal comfort balanced with that large volume. And I've seen barn dominiums struggle with this and even just large open plan living areas and conventional homes have struggled with these, uh, these same issues on varying scales. So if you are designing the living spaces in your barn dominium, don't overlook how they're going to perform on a day-to-day -day basis. Don't get sucked in by that beautiful wow and volume and everything like that and forget that they need to function on a day-to-day -day basis, especially if you are going to have multiple people living and using the space. Don't oversize the volume, okay? Most barns that need to accommodate machinery as well as people, they don't actually need to be super tall. You know, most machinery isn't isn't for, for, for most rural properties that's going to be stored in a barn dominium isn't, isn't massive. So really do balance that with the volume that you create and then consider what you're going to do to the space itself. You know, consider soft furnishings, the kinds of floor coverings that you'll use, baffling elements that you might add to the space such as ceiling panels, acoustic linings, even items that you might suspend from the ceiling. You know, that can all assist with how sound travels around the volumes. Uh, one of my Home Method members is looking at a project like this for her place and we've been talking about using like thinking about theatre curtains and, you know, she's been looking at how she might be able to use those to divide the space up. So there's lots of options for you. You really do need to design with passive solar and thermal performance in mind. I see people include wood fire stoves in these spaces in the hope that that's going to manage the heating of them, but the heat will dissipate very, very quickly and the only comfortable place will be right in front of the fire. So you want to consider how you're going to heat and cool the space. You know, just because it's big doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be cool when you want it to be. So something as simple even as ceiling fans that can keep air moving around the space and then you can reverse the spin of those to push the heat back down in the colder months. There's, there is loads that you can do to work with these larger volumes and to get your design and performance right. So you really need to get yourself informed and educated to help ensure that your barn dominium works in all the ways that you want it to. Now, next, there's a series of considerations related to the fact that you are combining two types of buildings into one. So you've got the residential dwelling and then you've got an industrial or an agricultural shed or barn. That's what makes up a barn dominium. And these buildings are significantly different in how they're seen from a building code point of view, the construction standards for each and even the construction methodologies and processes. So if you're wanting the building to be legally recognised as a residential building, then that's going to mean you balancing the requirements of the building in order to meet the required standards. And that can impact the affordability and then who and what you're building the project with. Now, this can be especially relevant if you're renovating an existing barn or shed structure as the existing building itself may not meet current residential standards and retrofitting it may be super difficult. I've actually been in amazing buildings. They were incredible and beautiful big spaces built in the mid-1900s. They're perfectly fine. They're standing steady, really great large open plan spaces. But to bring them up to current standards as a residential dwelling means doing things like tearing up the slab and re-pouring it with the correct barriers and termite protection. And then the structural needs to be beefed up to meet code because it's too slender to meet current standards. You know, it quickly becomes cost prohibitive to make these conversions and then people make the choice 
whether to leave the building as is or then sometimes they'll just go ahead and illegally convert it without the correct approvals or without the consultant sign-off. So you just need to be sure when you're tackling this for yourself that you're actually asking the right questions of the right people when you're planning a project like this because if you call a shed company to build you a shed, they may not quote or specify what you need in order to make it a residential dwelling and the same can happen when you're renovating your existing barn or shed, you know. There can be innovative ways that you can approach this with the regulations and how you view the use of a building overall, but you're going to need professional advice that's relevant to your location and the type of building that you're looking at. Now, as part of this, working through these things, you want to review your site works and the requirements for that. So site works, they can be an unexpected cost in any project. When you're building on rural and regional properties, though, and the building might be over a larger footprint, as can be the case with barn dominiums, then you may find the site works can be quite significant. Even the slightest slope in, a, in an area of land can need a lot of excavation and fill and retaining done when you're trying to build a large flat pad on you know on that land and soil conditions you know may also impact the structural design of what you're building and of course if you're building this project in a location that lacks any services infrastructure then you're going to need to factor in how you're going to get water and power supply to this to the barn dominium and also how you're going to manage waste I also want to mention the material choices for this type of building and the shed versus house thing and how it factors in here as well so in many instances Barn dominiums are built as metal clad, metal framed buildings. Now, this is not always the case. You can certainly see other materials such as timber used, even natural building materials such as rammed earth, which might be able to be locally sourced and done with DIY labour. I've seen people build like that. And, you know, some do opt for a timber structure or at the very least they might do timber trusses at the roof structures because they want to create a specific uh, aesthetic internally in the building. However, you know, most are metal with a colour bond or a similar cladding and they'll have a portal frame structure made from steel. Now, sheds themselves, they're traditionally uninsulated buildings. They're single skin buildings with an exposed structure. It's fit for purpose, not necessarily aesthetically minded and not necessarily insulated. Houses, by contrast, they have internal linings, they're insulated and their structure is usually concealed. And then when the structure of a house is exposed, it's considered aesthetically and that can mean that it's more expensive to, to create and build than it would be otherwise if it was concealed. Now, if a shed is insulated for one reason or another, some people do insulate their sheds, then it'll often be done with a foil sarking of some sort or a foil blanket like an anticon. My business partner in Live Life Build, Dwayne Pierce, he has a big shed at his place and when we do video content for Live Life Build together, we actually set ourselves up in that shed and it gets hot. It gets super hot in summer. It makes all sorts of noises during the day year round as it expands and contracts based on the external temperature and if it rains, we have to stop because it is just so noisy and that's just the nature of sheds. You know, even with Anticon blanket lining on the roof, it can still be super noisy. So Amelia, I hear you say, easy, we're just going to insulate our barn dominium, all good, we're just going to do it like we would a house. But this is the thing, metal cladding on the outside of a building is notorious for forming condensation when it experiences a temperature difference between the inside and the outside of its surface. So if you've stood under an exposed deck roof, which has metal roofing, and you may have seen me do an Instagram video on this, I'll pop a link to it in the resources actually, you'll have seen this in the mornings, okay? Condensation forms on the underside of the, the deck roof as the roof warms up with the rising sun, and then you get water dripping inside of your deck space. Now that happens inside a metal building as well. 
as humans, we produce a lot of moisture. So breathing, showering, cooking, they all produce vapour. And I'm not talking about a small amount of moisture. It is litres and litres per day. That vapour hits the walls and the ceilings and then it looks for somewhere to go. It'll travel through your walls if it can until it hits a hard impenetrable surface. And metal is a surface like this, so is glass. And that's where condensation will form. So condensation can form on metal cladding in warm and in cool climates. And when you line the inside of your metal building with insulation, then you're putting and you're putting the insulation up against that metal surface, then you're putting up the insulation against that hard surface where the condensation is forming. And with any soft or pliable insulation such as bats or, or rolls, then you're going to subject that insulation to absorbing that water whenever the metal gets wet. And that's going to cause that insulation to break down over time. It'll slump, it'll lose its efficiency super quickly and it'll get pretty gross as well. And, you know, if you've then added internal lining over the top of that insulation, then you're going to be hiding all of that within your walls. That can also make the plasterboard wet. You know, mould can grow. It's no good for anyone. So if you're wanting an insulated building for your barn dominium, and especially if you're working with metal cladding, you're going to need to consider how you'll make up the wall and the roof construction in order to mitigate issues associated with condensation. And this is relevant wherever you live. You need to consider the type of vapor membranes that you're going to use within the wall construction, where you're going to have to add air cavities within the wall in order to give the condensation somewhere to go so it doesn't wet everything that you have in your wall, the type of insulation that you specify, and then how you're going to line the interior. Where this can all fall through the gaps though is in how you then go about sourcing and building the barn dominium itself. So I see, you know, many of the shed companies around, they'll sell their sheds as kits. Some even have the option of accessing custom design services to then fabricate your shed to your particular specifications. Some sheds, they'll only provide the structural frame itself and then you purchase all the other necessary components separately. Some shed companies will provide all the structure and the cladding and then you just need to pour the slab and then you, you erect the kit and voila, you have a shed. But if the kit's design and structure can't accommodate the wall makeup that you plan to use or the wall thickness, then that can, of course, be problematic. And this can extend to any of the standard materials and details that you might have for, you know, the installation of openings, flashings and other components. If they don't take into account how you want to construct your walls and your roof, then that can be a challenge. This is something to be really aware of, okay? So many, unfortunately, so many in the industry, they're unfamiliar with building science. They haven't upskilled themselves in what the, what the National Construction Code changes for 2022 will require, and they don't understand the problems that they're creating in how they build their projects. And even though this is being recorded in April of 2023, we're still waiting for the National Construction Code 2022 to come in. So, um, but that's, it's, it's including information in regards to mitigation of condensation and this will become really relevant. So when you look at the state of insulation in some homes, even only months after they've been completed and you see the mildew and the mould forming in them because the insulation's got wet, it's breaking down, it is seriously scary. And the thing is, if you're paying for this insulation, I suspect that you actually want to ensure that it's going to work effectively for you, that it's not going to sag in your walls within a few years after its installation and that it's not going to cause you health problems. So many do still think that all you need to do is you've got your frame, you put metal cladding on the outside, you infill between the frame with insulation and then you line the interior. But that solution can cause massive problems long term. 
The upside though of barn dominiums and their materials is that they're low maintenance and they're super durable because of the expectations that there are around agricultural and industrial buildings. So when you do get the detailing right for your use, then this can be a great outcome overall. You just want to make sure you get some good advice on the best approach for your site and for your climate. Now, this podcast episode is by no means an exhaustive review of barn dominiums and all you need to consider because there's a lot more, of course, when it comes to these types of buildings and just and how you're going to navigate the materials and the detailing and everything like that generally, okay? But the, I do want to mention one more thing here. So the designs of these barn dominiums, they can be these lovely, super simple and elegant forms. And the best versions that I see They have an architectural approach where the detailing and the design choices are elegant. You know, the materials are of an industrial or rural nature, but the detailing and how they're put together is refined and it's well thought out. And the layout of spaces have a simplicity and an elegance to them as well. Many will choose this type of design and project because they feel it's going to be more affordable than building a conventional house. And it can definitely be for a range of reasons. You know, the building form is usually a much simpler singular form than a traditional house. And in many instances, it'll just be a rectangular shape with a simple gable roof and the four walls, and there's no stepping in and out at all. And due to this, The structure then can often be much simpler, more efficient, and it can have more repetition and can it be, it can be more affordable as a result. The amount of glazing will usually be less than a traditional home due to this simplified form and just the general reduction in external wall area and articulation. And there can be less internal walls as well. So, you know, you've got more open plan spaces, less division between different functions and spaces in the home. The actual residential footprint I find in barn dominiums, it can be smaller than most traditional homes, even when it's included in a larger shed or a barn building overall. And then those building these homes for themselves, they can have very different expectations of the finished result to a traditional home. They can accept or they can even embrace aesthetics which can be rougher in nature, you know, more exposed, more industrial, more agricultural, not as highly finished as a traditional home. And all of this can reduce the build cost considerably. And even just taking some of these concepts of this type of building type into consideration within your home overall, it can be worthwhile. You know, barn style houses, which of course are different to barn dominiums, they're also a lovely style to explore, you know, simple forms, efficient structure, reduced glazing, less rooms, more industrial materials and products can help with building costs overall. Often you'll see architects and builders who are doing their own projects, their own homes, and they'll be they'll be looking to ideas and product ranges that are outside of residential in order to find more affordable or, um, or more innovative products and ideas for their projects and you can always do this as well you know a project like a barn dominium it removes you from some of the conventional shackles that we can lock ourselves in with traditional residential design and construction be aware though as well though alongside this that there are many things in the in the industry that are promoted as an industrial or an agricultural finish and quality um, because it's an aesthetic that people like but then they can be quite super refined or higher on the cost side of things um, and to be frank, they wouldn't actually last five minutes in an industrial building on a farm property. So just keep an eye on that. Now, before I go, I do want to finish with this, okay? If you are hoping that a barn dominium is the way to create an affordable home, please know this, okay? You can't just necessarily buy a shed and then build it as a house. You know, a barn dominium isn't simply a shed that you've decided to live in. A barn dominium is a home that is inspired by the aesthetics, the materials, the construction methodologies of a shed or a barn. And it houses not only humans, but it can also house the other things that a shed or barn can house as well. 
It won't automatically be less than a uh, less expensive than a traditional house. However, you can spend more on a barn dominium than a traditional home if you don't approach it the right way. And if you're financing your project, your mortgage lender may value this type of building differently to a traditional home and they may assess your financing differently as well. So you need to get an understanding of that really early on. Whether you're building a barn dominium new or you're renovating an existing shed, a barn or other farm building on your property into a barn dominium, it really does need to consider the specific requirements of residential dwellings in their design, construction and statutory requirements and adapt the shed or the barn design, the construction and statutory requirements to suit a residential dwelling. Now, lastly, of course, I want to mention that if you are renovating or building new and you'd like more structured help and guidance and to feel more confident and in control as you learn the steps from start to finish of your project journey and how to create a functional feel-good and fantastic home, then Home Method is the place for you. Even if you are building a barn dominium, we actually have a few members in Home Method that are in regional locations and they're wanting to create a simpler form of home. They're considering this type of approach they're considering that barn style home or even the barn dominium kind of design to, to aggregate those functions and they're exploring ways to make it happen in their location. You'll of course join them inside Home Method plus the rest of our amazing community of super informed homeowners on a similar journey to you and you'll be able to access my personalised help along the way. I would love to see you inside Home Method. I love supporting homeowners uh, in their projects in this way so you can find out more information about Home Method by heading to www.homemethod.com au for more information. I really do hope that you found this episode about barn dominiums helpful and in thinking about what you're going to need to keep in mind if you're building new or renovating a home such as this. It's a really interesting term. Maybe you've not heard of it before. Maybe you've heard about it and wondered what it is. Hopefully uh, this episode has shed some light for you. Uh, pardon the pun. <laughs> and uh, and you found it interesting um, with some things to think about. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Mm-hmm.